Let us pray. Almighty God, look with loving mercy on your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed, to be given over to the hands of sinners, and to suffer death on the cross, who now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. First reading comes from Isaiah, the 52nd and 53rd chapters. A reading from Isaiah. See, my servants shall prosper. He shall be exalted and lifted up, and shall be very high. Just as there are many who are astonished at him, so marred was his appearance beyond human semblance, in his form beyond that of mortals. So he shall startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which he has told them, shall, they shall see. And that which they had not heard, they shall contemplate. Who has believed what, he has heard, what we have heard? And to whom his arm the Lord has revealed? For he grew up before him as a, like a young plant and like a root of dry ground. He had no form or majesty, and we should look at him, nothing of his appearance that should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one who from others hide their faces, he was despised and was held him in no account. Surely he was a born for our, born our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. We are like sheep have gone astray, and he has turned him our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that was led to slaughter. And like sheep that before his shear is silent. And he did not open his mouth. By a provision of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken of the transgressions of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich. Although he was done, had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it is the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offering, offspring and shall prolong his days. Through him the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion of, with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made an intercession for the transgressors. The word of the Lord. Thanks.
We will sing Psalm 22.
Our second reading comes from Hebrews, the the 10th chapter, a reading from Hebrews. This is the covenant that I make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their heart, and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way we open for us through the curtain, that is, through the flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together or as a habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more you see the day approaching. The word of the Lord. invite you to be seated as we hear the passion of our Lord according to St. John. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees And they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you were looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken, I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard to the high priest. 
But Peter was standing outside the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, the cock crowed. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own? Or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. 
Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priest and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, We have the law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has claimed to be the Son of God. Now, when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Gogotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Latin and in Greek. Then the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but this man said I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic, and now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says, They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because the Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. 
So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified man broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you may also believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, They will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices and linen cloths according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, starting on Ash Wednesday and and going through the season of Lent, we have taken time to look at the Lord's Prayer. We have taken time to to study how Christ himself taught us, his disciples, to pray. And so, in the Lord's Prayer, the final thing that we ask for, the final petition, is deliver us from evil. And so on Good Friday, especially as we read the whole passion story from the Gospel of John, we cannot escape facing the reality of evil. Evil is readily apparent. Right? In the gospel, evil is that which mocks Christ on the cross. Evil is that which lusts for the suffering of the innocent and perfect servant of God. Evil is that which looks at the cross with cynicism and apathy and believes that's just the way the world is. It can't be better. People suffer. Evil is that which does not care about justice. Evil is that which brings about the pain and suffering of others. And not only does it bring it about, evil delights in that suffering. Evil uses the suffering of others for its own pleasure, for its own twisted happiness. The cross shows us full force that there is evil in this world. And what's even more jarring as we read the passion story is the truth that we have willingly participated in this evil. We have hurt others. We have likely rejoiced in the suffering of others at one time or another. We have benefited and taken pleasure in the oppression of the innocent. We, like those who nailed Christ to the cross, have sought in our own way power, money, and pleasure at the expense of others. We know evil ourselves. We know evil And we have suffered because of evil. We have seen the devastations that evil can bring to our families. We have seen how evil can lead to addictions, to abuse, to all manner of suffering. And on Good Friday, 
we cannot hide from the reality that there is evil in this world. Why, then, do we call this Good Friday? And the answer is because at the cross, God answers our final petition in the Lord's Prayer. At the cross, God delivers us from evil. So I would be remiss if I did not point out that translators of the New Testament have to make a decision when they come to this final petition of the Lord's Prayer. So the Greek contains the definite article, the, before evil. And so in the Greek, it literally says, deliver us from the evil. So translators have to make a decision, and they have to do one of two things. They can keep evil as abstract and drop that article. Sometimes in English we do that. We talk about the truth or the good, the beauty, to represent everything that's good or true or beautiful. We use that article, the. And so one way to translate it is to keep it abstract, the evil. And so in this way, to pray to deliver us from evil is to pray to deliver us from that force, that abstract force of evil. This might mean to deliver us from all that falls under the category evil, which would be death and sin and the devil. And from all the consequences of sin, then, we pray deliver us. And this is a good way to understand that petition. But as Christians, we want to be careful because we do not believe that evil itself is a substance. Evil itself is not an actual thing. Because if evil itself were a substance, it would mean that God created it. But God did not create evil. So rather, we believe that evil is a kind of negation. Evil, in other words, is the absence of good. Evil is the turning away from what is found in God. When we say a thing is evil, what we're really saying is that it lacks goodness. It is a privation of good. And this is true. We know it in our own lives. When we do evil things in our lives, ultimately we are doing things that lack love for God or lack love for our neighbor. It's the lack of love that makes something evil. And so on one hand, when we pray to God, asking him to deliver us from evil, we are also asking him to fill us with himself, to fill us with what is good. We are asking him to be present with us, to be present in us, because where he is, evil cannot abide, evil cannot win. The petition, then, is a positive one, because it seeks to fill whatever is missing in us and around us and fill it with God himself. The other way translators have translated the evil in the Lord's Prayer is to translate it as deliver us from the evil one. That is to deliver us from the personal force of evil that is the devil in this world. Alfred Depp, who was a Jesuit priest who opposed Hitler in Germany, wrote from a prison cell during the war, there is not only evil in this world, there is also the evil one. Not only the principle of negation, but also a tough and formidable antichrist. Right? And the idea is that evil is not only an abstraction, not only a force. Evil is not just an idea about why things are bad. Rather, according to the Bible, there is an active kind of personal evil, an antichrist that is working against God 
in this world. In the large catechism, Luther notes that this evil one, the devil, the one who is antichrist, works against every other petition we ask in the Lord's Prayer. He sows doubt, he sows adversity, he sows division. We pray then in the Lord's Prayer for God's name to be holy. And the devil, we know, works to slander God's name. We pray in the Lord's Prayer for the kingdom to come, and the devil works to divide the kingdom. We pray for daily bread. The devil works for suffering, hunger, and pain, and so on. First Peter says that the devil roams around like a lion, seeking to devour whom he can. Evil takes on activity in the work of the devil and fallen angels, and in the hearts of evil men who oppose God. This is personal evil. Personal evil from the devil and all who serve him. And so we pray in the Lord's Prayer also, deliver us from this evil one. Good Friday is Good Friday, however, because at the cross, God has delivered us from evil. However we choose to translate the Lord's Prayer, that's still true. God delivers us from both the evil that separates us from him, and he he delivers us from the evil one that tries to, to separate us from him. One of our prayers at Holy Communion, part of the great Thanksgiving liturgy, has a wonderful phrase, which is, by his death, Christ defeated death. By the cross, Christ has trampled the devil, and Christ has assured us that we are no longer captives to be held by death, or by the devil, or by any evil force in this world. He has redeemed us and rescued us. The book of Hebrews says, Since therefore the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same things, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. The final petition of the Lord's Prayer serves as a reminder to us. It preaches the gospel to us. It says, Look, Look what God has done to deliver you from evil. God has not spared his son for you. Rather, God has given his son as a ransom. God's son suffered the consequence of your sin. God's son has died for you. And because God's son has died for you, you are delivered from evil. Amen.
brothers and sisters, for the Holy Church throughout the world. Almighty and eternal God, you have shown your glory to all nations in Jesus Christ. By your Holy Spirit, guide the church and gather it throughout the world. Help it to persevere in faith, proclaim your name, and bring the good news of salvation in Christ to all people. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for Daniel, our bishops, and for all pastors and all servants of our church and for the people of, the word of God. Almighty and eternal God, your spirit guides the church and makes it holy. Strengthen and uphold our bishops, pastors, and other ministers and lay leaders. Keep them in health and safety for the good of the church and help each of us in our various vocations to do faithfully the work to which you have called us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for those preparing for baptism. Almighty and eternal God, you continue to bless the church. Increase the faith and understanding of those preparing for baptism. Give them new birth as your children and keep them in the faith and communion of your holy church. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for our sisters and brothers who share in the faith of Jesus Christ. Almighty and eternal God, you give your church unity. Look with favor on all who follow Jesus, your son. Make all the baptized one in the fullness of faith and keep us united in the fellowship of love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for the Jewish people, the first to hear the word of God. Almighty and eternal God, long ago you gave your promise to Abraham and your teaching to Moses. Hear our prayers that the people you called and elected as your own may receive the fulfillment of the covenant's promises. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for those who do not share our faith in Jesus Christ. Almighty and eternal God, gather into your embrace all of those who call out to you under different names, bring an end to interreligious strife, and make us more faithful witnesses of the love made known to us in your Son. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for those who do not believe in God. Almighty and eternal God, you created humanity so that all may long to know you and find peace in you. Grant that all may recognize the signs of your love and grace in the world and in the lives of Christians and gladly acknowledge you as the one true God. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for God's creation. Almighty and eternal God, you are the creator of a magnificent universe 
Hold all the worlds in the arms of your care and bring all things to fulfillment in you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for those who serve in public office. Almighty and eternal God, you are the champion of the poor and oppressed. In your goodness, give wisdom to those in authority so that all people may enjoy justice, peace, freedom, and a share in the goodness of your creation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for those in need. Almighty and eternal God, you give strength to the weary and new courage to those who have lost heart. Heal the sick, comfort the dying, give safety to travelers, free those unjustly deprived of liberty, and deliver your world from falsehood, hunger, and disease. Hear the prayers of all who call on you in any trouble, that they may have the joy of receiving your help in their need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Finally, let us pray for all those for which our Lord would have us ask. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, done, on earth earth as it is in heaven. Give us us this day our daily bread, bread, and forgive us us our trespasses, trespasses, as we we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead, and lead us, us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now behold the life-giving cross, on which was hung the Savior of the whole world. O come, let us worship him.
Behold, the life-giving cross, on which was hung the Savior of the whole world. seated. O oh, my people, O oh, my church, what have I done to you? How have I offended you? Answer me. I led you out of slavery into freedom and delivered you through the waters of rebirth. But you have prepared a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. O oh, my people, O oh, my church, what more could I have done for you? Answer me. Forty years I led you through the desert, feeding you with manna on the way. I saved you from the time of trial and gave you my body, the bread of heaven. But you have prepared a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. O oh, my people, O oh, my church, what more could I have done for you? Answer me. I led you on your way in a pillar of cloud and fire, but you led me to the judgment hall of Pilate. I guided you by the light of the Holy Spirit, but you have prepared a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. O oh, my people, O oh, my church, what more could I have done for you? Answer me. I planted you as my fairest vineyard, but you brought forth bitter fruit. I made you branches of the vine and never left your side, but you have prepared a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. O oh, my people, O oh, my church, what more could I have done for you? Answer me. I poured out saving water from the rock, but you gave me vinegar to drink. I poured out my life and gave you the new covenant in my blood, but you have prepared a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. O oh, my people, O oh, my church, what more could I have done for you? Answer me. I gave you a royal scepter, but you gave me a crown of thorns. I gave you the kingdom and crowned you with eternal life, but you have prepared a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. Oh, my people, oh, my church, what more could I have done for you? Answer me. I struck down your enemies, but you struck my head with a reed. I gave you my peace, but you draw the sword in my name, and you have prepared a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. O oh, my people, O oh, my church, what more could I have done for you? Answer me. I opened the waters to lead you to the promised land, but you opened my side with a spear. I washed your feet as a sign of my love, but you have prepared a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, 
have mercy on us. O my people, O my church, what more could I have done for you? Answer me. I lifted you up to the heights, but you lifted me high on a cross. I raised you from death and prepared for you the tree of life, but you have prepared a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. O my people, O my church, what more could I have done for you? Answer me. I grafted you into my people Israel, but you have made them scapegoats for your own guilt, and you have prepared a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. O my people, O my church, what more could I have done for you? Answer me. I came to you in the least of your brothers and sisters, but I was hungry, and you gave me no food, thirsty, and you gave me no drink, a stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me, and you have prepared a cross for your Savior. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you. By your holy cross, you have redeemed the world. 